Are you ready for the word? All right. Go to John chapter 16. And we're going to read from verse 23 to verse 27. John 16, 23 to 27. Let's read together. And in that day, you shall ask me, in that day, you will ask me nothing? You mean in that day you won't ask me, Jesus, in that day? There's a day when I won't ask you. Most assuredly I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Until now, let's keep on reading. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive. That your that 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 word ask is actually ask and keep asking, and you will receive that your joy may be full. Next verse. These things I have spoken to you in figurative language, but the time is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figurative language, but I will tell you plainly, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to be open with you. I'm just going to let you know who the Father is, and I'm going to talk to you about him. Amen. Say, thank God for that day. In that day, you will ask in my name, and I do not say that I shall pray the Father. In that day, Jesus, you will not pray the Father for me? For the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and I believe that I came forth from God. Man. For the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed. Well, those are the words of Jesus. And we want, to, we want to contemplate and consider them this morning. In that day, you will not ask me anything, or you will ask me nothing. In that day, I do not say I will pray for you. So Jesus is talking about another day, different from the day that he was living in. Different from the one John the Baptist and Moses and Abraham lived in. A day that was to come that would be spiritually completely different from the one that he was living in at that time. He's saying there's going to be a major shift in the kingdom of God, a major shift in the spirit realm, particularly in how God the Father will interact with people. And one of the key differences that will take place in that day will be the amount of access, direct access to the Father that will be available in that day that was not available in the day that Jesus lived in when he was speaking. Say that day. Jesus, in that day, we will ask you nothing. Jesus, in that day, you said you are not saying to us you will pray for us, but, but Jesus, that's, that's strange. What day are you talking about? Why won't we ask you anything? Why are you saying that I'm... That I am not saying that I will pray for you in that day. Now, that is strange because we know that the scriptures do teach 
that Jesus ever lives to make intercession for us. Amen? We know the scriptures teach that you should not sin, but if you sin, you have an advocate. And that advocate is who? Jesus. So, so what does this mean? That it, it can't be literal in the sense that Jesus no longer prays for us because that will contradict so many other passages that affirm the fact that he ever lives as our high priest making intercession for us. And we treasure that. I treasure the fact that Christ is alive at the right hand of the Father and ever makes intercession for me because his intercession makes all the difference. So what is Jesus saying here? Well, we need to just look at the same verses in some other translations and it becomes more clear. So let me just read it in what is becoming one of our favorite translations around here, the Passion Translation. Thank you, Pastor Glenn. I heard Pastor Vani thanking you, so let me thank you too because the first time I heard about it was from you, so you get credit. For here is eternal truth. When the time comes that day, you won't need to ask me for anything. You won't need to. And I will not need to ask the Father on your behalf. For you'll ask him directly because of your new relationship with me. So what Jesus is really saying here, in that day, it won't be necessary. For you to say, Jesus, please talk to the Father for me. Because the Father won't hear me because of all my sins. Jesus said, in that day, guess what? You will be able yourself. You won't have to say, Jesus, please talk to the Father. Jesus can pray for us, but Jesus said, it's not necessary. You don't have to wait for me to talk to the Father in that day. Because you will get to talk to the Father yourself. You see, prior to that time, they didn't get to talk to the Father. In fact, coming too close to the Father in that day was deadly. There were all kinds of rules, limitations, restrictions, and when the Father was speaking, they had to re re remain far away. They dared not draw too close lest they die. And so there was a veil that was put there to prevent them from going directly into the presence of the Father called the Holy of Holies and talking to him. They couldn't do it. So the only way they could get a message to the Father was through the high priest who got to go only once a year and had to follow all kinds of rules himself because if he didn't follow the rules, you see, the entrance to the Father was not open. You knew you had a Father, but you couldn't get close to him. And Jesus is saying, in that day, that's going to change. Oh, my goodness. In that day, the veil will be removed. In that day, you will be able to have direct, intimate, one-on-one -on -one time with the Father. In that day, you'll be able to go into his presence anytime and stay as long as you want. In that day, you will be able to talk to him about anything. Nothing is off limits. In that day, you better say, Papa. Huh. Right now, it's hard on the job. There's somebody there, some, some boss there is really, really treating me wrong. What are you going to do about it, Papa? <laughs> you, you can talk about what's happening at work. You can talk with him about what's happening at home. You can talk to him about your husband 
you can talk to him about your wife. You can talk to him about your children. You can talk to him about your finances. You can talk to him about your church. You can talk to him about your bishop. You can talk to him about your, your, yourself, your bad attitude. Amen. Amen. You can literally talk to him about anything and not be afraid that he's going to rise up in anger, judge you, and cast you out of his presence. In that day, a radical change. So Jesus was talking about a day that was to come. And now we are blessed to be living in that day. So that day has become today. Say hallelujah. Say that day which Jesus talked about has become today. You and I are living in the day Jesus talked about when we can talk to God ourselves. We don't even need Jesus to talk to God for us. Now, I know one of the things we are observing in the church world today is the rise of many, quote-unquote, powerful men of God who make it seem like the only way your breakthrough is going to come is if they talk to God for you. Until they make the decree over your life, nothing will change. Until they break the curse over your life, nothing will change. Unless they talk to God for you, your prayers, your desires can never be met. There are many who feel that the only way they can get their answer, their change, their transformation, their miracle is for this particular man of God to talk to God for them. So they travel miles. They travel far. They spend a lot of money to get a particular man of God to talk to God for them. When Jesus is saying, you don't even have to do that for me. Jesus said, if I were on earth today, you would need to find me, to ask me to talk to the Father on your behalf. Because in this day, which is today, things have changed. And you can literally talk to God yourself and Jesus said, the Father will hear you. Look at your neighbor and say, you can talk to God yourself. And the Father himself will hear you, will answer your prayers, will work miracles for you. Amen. So, you know, Moses, <laughs> Moses had some powerful experiences with God. Amen. God met. Uh, Moses had a meeting with God several times on Mount Sinai. He saw God manifest himself with fire and, and smoke. And, and he, he encountered God in the burning bush. Moses had some powerful experiences with God. Abraham. Abraham was called the friend of God. Abraham met angels, and perhaps even the pre-incarnate son of God may have had a conversation with Abraham. John the Baptist. Jesus said, of those born of women, there was none greater than John. Then Jesus went on to say, but the least in the kingdom is greater than John which means greater than Moses, which means greater than Abraham. 
These men, with all of their experiences, never once entered the holy of holies. These men never had the opportunity for God to literally live inside of them. So much has changed since that day became this day. Oh, may God open your eyes and my eyes that we may truly grasp the reality of this thing that we have been made a part of. That you and I can literally talk to the Father and the Father will hear us. That we can literally move into the very holy of holies where not just the symbols that represent God are, but God the Father actually is. And we can spend as long as we want communing with him, talking with him, fellowshipping with him. My goodness, when was the last time you made the decision that you will spend time with the Father? They longed for that privilege in the Old Testament. And they didn't have it. You and I have the privilege. In fact, it's even more than that because not only do we enter into the Holy of Holies, the truth is the Holy of Holies has entered us. <laughs> Say hallelujah. Say hallelujah. So the reality is we live in the Holy of Holies with the Father and with the Son and with the Holy Spirit. Our failure is not acknowledging that. Our failure is not being conscious of that. Our failure is not taking full advantage of the reality that God has now moved into you and now God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit dwell within you and within me 24-7. Raise your hand and say, God, thank you that that day is today. Now, when did that day become today? And why is that day today? Let me give you four quick reasons. One, that day became this day after Jesus went to the cross and bore the sins of the world. When Jesus went to the cross, and became sin for us. When Jesus went to the cross and the wrath of God against sin and the judgment of God mandated by the law was poured out upon him in full and he suffered and bled and died when the innocent became the guilty so the guilty can become the innocent on Calvary when he shouted, it is finished. And they put him in the grave. And on the third day, Jesus arose from the grave. Brothers and sisters, that day became. Say hallelujah. You see, one of the reasons that day has become this day, because Jesus on the cross has dealt with all of the legal issues regarding sin that made it illegal and dangerous for you to come in the presence of a holy God with unforgiven sin in your life. The sin problem had to be solved. The wrath of God pronounced upon sin. The law had to be satisfied. And until the law was satisfied, you and I could not come into the presence of God without receiving the judgment of the law. But Jesus went on the cross and through his death, burial, and resurrection, he became sin for us who knew no sin, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. And when he died, he died for our sins. And when God raised him from the dead, God was declaring that the sin issue, the legal issues, all of the things that once were against you, the ordinances that were against you, all of that through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ 
have been satisfied. There is no longer any legal claim against you. There is no longer any sin being charged to your account. You're no longer a lawbreaker in the eyes of God. You are now the righteousness of God in Christ. Somebody raise your hand and say, thank God for Jesus. My goodness, that day became this day when Jesus dealt with all of our sins and purchased our redemption. And we received what the Bible says, the forgiveness of sins. When all of my sins were washed away, all of my sins were taken away. Say hallelujah. When I was made holy and blameless and righteous in the Son of God, when he by his blood cleansed me from all of my sins, that day when I couldn't approach God, that day when I couldn't fellowship with the Father, that day when there was a veil, that day when there was all these restrictions and limitations passed away and a new day was ushered in the kingdom of God and that's the day I'm living in today. Come on, you're not saying amen like you should be saying. But here's a, here's a, here's a second reason that that day is now this day. Because Jesus said, in that day, nobody prayed in my name. In, well, in the other day, <laughs> the day before this day, no one had the right to use his name. But he said, now, since Calvary, all of that has changed. And now I don't need to pray for you because you can always use my name when you pray. Oh, you didn't hear me. You didn't hear me. You are not listening to me. Jesus is saying, whenever you use my name when you pray, it's just as good as I myself personally praying for you. Somebody say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray. Listen, when the Father hears you praying in the name of Jesus, it's exactly to him the same thing as Jesus himself standing before him and making that request. So Jesus said, I'm not saying I will pray for you because it's not necessary. Now you have the right in this day to use my name when you come to the Father. And when you use my name, it's the same thing as myself praying for you. And if God the Father will not say no to me, God the Father will not say no to you when you are praying in my name. Raise your hand and say, thank God for the name of Jesus. Come on, thank God for the name of Jesus. That, oh, if only we knew what we had in the name of Jesus. Oh, yeah. That's a game changer. That's a game changer. Oh, the name of Jesus gives us access to the Father. That's a game changer. The name of Jesus causes God to hear our prayer. It's a game changer. The name of Jesus causes demons to tremble. It's a game changer. Thank God. They didn't have that name, but in this day, we have the right and the privilege of using the name, and the name gives us access to the Father and all of his graces. Say hallelujah. Somebody said thank you for the name of Jesus. Come on, somebody say, thank you for the name of Jesus. One more time, thank you for the name of Jesus. Say hallelujah. That name will open doors for you. <laughs> oh, that name will give you favor. Hallelujah, that name will cause miracles in the name of Jesus. That name will move mountains. That name will heal the sick. That name will deliver the oppressed. That name will set the captives free. That name will get prayers answered. Say hallelujah. I thank you, Jesus, for your name. Amen. Thank God for the name of Jesus. <laughs> Listen to me. Listen to me. 
If you, if, 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 if I got some money, if I got some money and you need it, hmm, you can talk to Pastor Chris and Pastor Chris can talk to me and Pastor Chris can say, how you going to call me when you love me? Good. Sweetheart, sweetheart, we need to give so-and-so X amount. Let me just say 1000 She She has an urgent need for $1,000 right now and we need to give it to her. Well, you talk to Pastor Chris, and Pastor Chris comes to me. I really am not concerned about your name. Old. If Pastor Chris talks to me, you get the $1,000 because Pastor Chris talked to me. But let's say Pastor Chris cannot come to me physically. But Pastor Chris says, tell Bishop, Pastor Chris said, That is the exact same thing. Her name, especially when I know you're telling me the truth, right? If, 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 if I know that what you're saying is actually what she has told you to say, just use my name. And brother and sister, if I would say yes to Pastor Chris directly, I would say yes to her name. So Jesus said in that day, I'm not saying I will break us. It's not necessary. Just use my name. So one day Peter and John was coming to the temple and they saw this man that was late. And they said, now, nah, silver and gold we don't have. <laughs> but that which we have, we give unto you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up. And walk. And immediately the man rose and began to walk and leap and shout and praise the Lord. And then the people found Peter and John and they, they begin to almost want to worship them. Peter says, no, 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 no. It's not because of our own personal piety or holiness that this man is, is walking. It's the name. The reason he's walking is we use the name of Jesus. And it's faith in that name that is the reason for this miracle raise your hand and say I got the name I got the name and if I got the name then I've got Jesus and his authority and his relationship with the father on my side let me get another illustration if you, you, perhaps some of you have experienced this you wanted to you needed to borrow some money. Maybe you wanted to buy a house or you wanted to buy a car. And you didn't have the cash. So you went in the bank and said, uh-uh, look at your credit. Mm -mm, mm -mm, 500, 600. Mm -mm. Look at your income. Mm -mm. Look at what you got in your savings. Mm -mm. And so they rejected you. But they say, if you can find a co-signer who will put their name <laughs> on your application, come back. And you just happen to find a co-signer. You, you found somebody, a relative or a friend, who had an A-plus credit, 850, who had a lot of money in the bank, and who had a lot of income. And, and he or she agreed to put his name on the application as a co-signer. Your name was there, and their name was there. You presented the same application to the bank. And let's say you wanted to borrow $20,000. That bank that wouldn't even look at you, now is saying, well, if you want a little bit more, we can. <laughs> say hallelujah. You know, you're going to get a used car. You know, you could get a new one because we are, we are willing to approve you for. Because all of a sudden, it's not you. They're not even considering your record or your history, they're looking at the one whose name is attached to your application. Say hallelujah. Hallelujah. In that day, which is this day, we get to use the name of Jesus. And so when we use the name of Jesus, guess what? The Father does not even look at your performance anymore. He is not even taking account your righteousness anymore because it's already settled. Your own righteousness is as filled red. Your credit score is zero. Yeah. 
So if you're depending on your credit score to get God to bless you or to get God to hear your prayer, my brother and sister, you're going home with zero. So don't even make yourself shame. Don't embarrass yourself. <laughs> don't be like the Pharisee who went to God and got on his knees and said, God, you see me? I got a high credit, oh, 850, 850, 850, 850. Man, God, look at what I did, look at what I did, look at how I do. That other man, his credit is in, in the low 500s. But me, high credit score. And Jesus, when God looked at his credit, it wasn't what he thought. And Jesus said, that man went home. <laughs> he didn't have to embarrass himself like that. He should have already known he wouldn't qualify. And go ahead and just come to God for grace. In Jesus' name. But hear me, in this day, I want you, us to really get this. I know we wish Jesus was here physically. Because we think if he was here and he would pray, we would get our results. Jesus is saying, not necessary. No need. You got my name? You can get the same results I would get if I were the one personally making the request. You use my name. And believe when you use that name that the Father hears you. Are we still here? But, 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 but this day was the that day that Jesus was talking about because since he died and took care of the sin problem, Jesus said, when I leave, I'm going to send you <laughs> another helper called the Holy Spirit. In fact, he is the paraclete. I'm sending him right now. He's with you in me. But in that day, again, you won't need me to be there physically because he now who is in me <laughs> is going to be in you. And so now we have on the inside of us the helper. The Bible says we don't always know how to pray. <laughs> As we ought, but the Holy Spirit helps us to pray. He knows the mind of God. And he causes us to pray to the Father according to the will of the Father. He said the paraclete will literally guide you into truth. He'll open your eyes. He'll, and the Holy Spirit will begin to reveal to you the Father. And the Holy Spirit will reveal to you the Son. And the Holy Spirit will reveal to you the will of God so that you will actually know the will of God on the inside of you. You will know the Father. And when you are praying... When you run other words to pray, when you don't know how to articulate your needs, in fact, you sometimes don't know what you ought to be talking to the Father about because there's so much you don't know cognitively. He says you don't have to worry because even then you can tap into that resource, the Holy Spirit that is on the inside of you, and you can open your mouth and he will start to inspire your prayers and you'll find yourself speaking words that you did not even think of both in your native language and in this foreign language. When you can no longer express it in your own language, you can kick into that second gear, third gear, yeah, fourth gear, and the Holy Spirit will lay hold with you of that problem and together with the help of the Holy Ghost, you and the Holy Ghost will talk to the Father. You and the Holy Ghost will plead the case. You and the Holy Ghost will present the need to the Father. Say this day is that day because the Holy Spirit, the paraclete, is living inside of me and helping me to pray, helping me to talk to the Father, helping me to intercede, helping me to prevail in intercession. The Holy Ghost is helping me. It's not by might anymore. It's not just by my power. But the Spirit of God is taking hold together with me. And with his help, I'm praying according to the will of the Father. And the will of God is being done. 
But you know, this is the one that really got me. The one where Jesus said, I won't, I'm not saying to you, I will pray for you because it's not necessary. And the reason he said it's not necessary is because the Father himself loves you. Now, that is a sermon that we just need to preach. The Father himself loves you. In other words, the Father doesn't need me to persuade him. To hear you when you pray. Because the Father himself loves you. In fact, in the Old Testament, I think the book of Isaiah, he says he blots out our transgressions for his namesake because he loves us and he wants to bless us and he wants to help us and he is eager to answer our prayer. In fact, Jesus said in Luke 12, he says, fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure one translation says it makes the father very happy to give you his kingdom. You won't need me to talk to the father. I, Jesus, don't need to persuade the father. I, Jesus, don't need to try to influence the father because here's the reality. Remember Jesus said, in that day, I will really begin to talk to you plainly about the father. And he's beginning to do so right now. And he's saying, you know, let me tell you the truth. Oh. You see me here? I am the mediator between God and man. It was necessary for me to come because of all of those legal issues. But let me tell you the truth. God the Father loves you. In fact, in John 17, he said, let me tell you a secret. Don't let anybody hear. God loves you just as much as he loves my brother and sister no wonder Paul was praying all the time God give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation so we can know what is the length the height the depth and the breadth of the love of God because I don't even begin to grasp the fullness of that reality that the God who created this universe <laughs> that is so big and science keeps discovering more and more and more and more and more. They can't come to the end of the universe and the Bible says the love of God is like that. That is beyond understanding. It's past understanding. It's beyond measuring can you imagine how radically your life and my life would change how everything will change oh if we could only grasp that it's not just in our head but we can see it the length the breadth the depth and the height of how much God loves not Bishop Johnson but how much God loves you Listen to me. The Bible says it's past understanding, but it tells us to seek to understand it anyway. So even though you will never be able to understand it fully, he says, do your best. Keep praying for more understanding. Keep searching for more understanding. Keep yearning for more understanding. Keep looking for more understanding. And just when you think you understand, you will realize that you don't understand because there's just so much more to understand. And just when you think, now I got it, you will discover that there's more to understand because he will do exceedingly abundant above all that you can even ask or think. He says you can't measure it, but go ahead and try to measure it anyway. And after you've measured it and you discovered it's a thousand miles deep and it's a thousand miles wide and it's a thousand miles high 
and it's a thousand miles long. After you discovered that, pause, enjoy it, and then keep digging because you got another thousand miles to go. <laughs> and when you get there, keep digging. And you and I are going to spend eternity digging because just like they can't find the end of the universe, spiritual will never find the end of God's love for us. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And yet Jesus said in the passage we read in verse 27, go to verse 27, I kind of want to let him see it. For the Father himself loves you. Let's read that. Because you have loved me and have believed. Now, you know what, 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 what Jesus is saying? As God loves the world so much that he was willing to give his son for us. That's a lot of love. But Jesus is saying, those of us who have loved him, in response, and that believes in him, his love for us is greater still. No, no. God doesn't love everybody equally. God loves everybody enough to die for everyone. But you and me, who have believed on him, the son who died, <laughs> You see, God loves the son so much. When you start loving the son and believing the son, God's love goes to another level. Maybe God's love is growing. I don't know. I don't know if theologically I'm right. But there's a love that God has for you and I who believe in the son that is far greater than the love that motivated him to die for sinners. Don't play with God and his love for you. Are you here? So I'm going to ask all of you standing, and I want us to end with this. I just want, there's so many passages on love for God that I could read, but we don't have the time. So let's go to Romans 8. I just want to end it. You know, you know 1 John 3 says, what kind of love is this? What kind of strange love is this? What kind of out-of-the-world love is this that that we should be called the children of God. But I want us to look at Romans 8, 31 to 39. I don't know. Do we have the Passion Translation here? We, we don't have it? Okay, so we got to get it because we keep referring to it. So, so I want you to listen because I really wanted to read in the Passion Translation, okay? But this is Romans 8 beginning at verse 31. Listen to this. So what does all of this mean? In other words, all that God has done for us in Christ, etc. What does it all mean? If God has determined, because of his love, if God has determined to stand with us, tell me, who then can ever stand against us? For God has proven his love by giving us his greatest treasure, the gift of his son. If you ever question God's love, stop and reflect on him giving his son for you. And since God freely offered him up as the sacrifice for us all, he certainly won't withhold from us anything else he has to give. I don't know what it is that you stand in need of. But remember, the Father himself loves you. And Jesus said, you know what? I don't really even have to talk to God for you. It's not necessary because here's a secret. God loves you so much. And in this day, you can talk to him for yourself. Jesus said, take advantage of that. If he did not withhold the gift of his only son, he certainly will not withhold from us anything else he has to give. Who then would dare 
to accuse those whom God has chosen in love to be his. Who dares to accuse you and me? Whom God himself, because of his love, has chosen to be his. Turn to your neighbor and say, you know what? God chose me to be his. I really don't care what you think. You may not choose me. I might not even want to choose myself. Because if you, if, if you knew me the way I knew me, <laughs> you won't choose me either. But that doesn't matter because the one who knows everything about me loves me himself and he chose me. God himself is the judge who has issued his final verdict over us, not guilty. Who then is left to condemn us? Certainly not Jesus, the anointed one. For he, Jesus, gave his life for us, and even more than that, he has conquered death and is now risen, exalted, and enthroned by God at his right hand. So how could he, Jesus, possibly condemn us since he is continually praying for our triumph? Who could ever divorce us or separate us from the endless love of God? Come on, raise your hand in abandonment and say who, what can ever separate me from the endless love of God? For nothing in the universe has the power to diminish his love towards us. Do you know that even your sin doesn't have the power to diminish God's love for you? Don't you know all the mistakes you've made doesn't have the power to diminish God's love for you? Don't you know that the mess you're in right now does not have the power to diminish God's love for you? Don't you know that God is hopelessly, helplessly, forever in love with you? Troubles, pressures, and problems are unable to come between us and God's love. What about persecution, deprivations, dangers, and death? No. For they are all impotent to hinder omnipotent love. All of your troubles are impotent to hinder omnipotent love. He says, in the midst of all these things, we triumph over them all. For God has made us to be more than conquerors. And his demonstrative love is our glorious victory. I like that. Not just love talked about, but love demonstrated. Gives us victory over everything. So now Paul said, I live with the confidence that there's nothing in the universe with the power to separate me from God's love. I'm convinced that his love will triumph over death, life's troubles, fallen angels, or dark rulers in the heavens. There's nothing in our present or future circumstances that can weaken his love. There's no power above us or beneath us, no power that could ever be found in the universe that can distance us from God's passionate love, which is lavished upon us through our Lord Jesus Christ. I rushed through that, but when you go home, take John, I mean Romans chapter 8, and just read those, cha- those verses at the end there. Read it in different translations, and just meditate, and ask you to say, Lord, help me to comprehend this love. And that's a prayer you ought to be praying for yourself every day. Pray that for the members of this church every day. In Jesus' name. Father, we cannot comprehend Come close to fully understanding your love for us. But God, we want to know. And so we are on a search to understand, to comprehend the depth, the breadth, the light, and the, and, the, and the width of your love. We know we'll never come to the end 
But Lord, may we spend the rest of our days on earth and through all eternity on this journey of discovering your endless love. Your omnipotent love that nothing can separate us from. Everything else is impotent in the presence of omnipotent love. And we are the objects of your love. Holy Spirit, guide us into this truth, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, even Jesus doesn't have to pray for you because you are forgiven, because you have his name, because the Spirit of God is inside of you to help you. And most important of the day, because the Father himself loves not just Jesus, but loves you as much as he loves Jesus. And when you read Jesus' statements in John, over and over, Jesus keeps saying, the Father loves the Son. The Father loves the Son. And because the Father loves the Son, he has shown the Son all things. The Father loves the Son. Let that be your confession. The Father loves the Son. And if you're a daughter, put your hand. The Father loves the daughter. When you're going through tests and trials and you're about to faint, put yourself on, put your hand on yourself. The Father loves his, his daughter. The Father loves his Son. Amen. When you're about to face some terrible, terrible, terrible news or terrible person, just get yourself ready. The father loves his daughter. The father loves his son. Come on, let's practice. The father loves his son. The father loves his daughter. The father loves his son. The father loves his daughter. The father loves his son. The father loves I, some of you are doing it right now. You're already feeling strength. You already feel faith arising. You're already becoming more bold and courageous. This is not a sermon you hear and then forget. This is a sermon you hear and you practice. In Jesus' name, everybody say hallelujah. God bless you. Please have your seats.